we're recognizing farms and homesteads that have been in the family for more than 100 or 150 years. I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report. These families will get together at the Wisconsin State Fair in West Allis on August 8th for a celebratory breakfast. One farm being recognized is the McNeil Farm. This farm is located in Douglas County, right in the heart of the Brule River State Natural Area. John McNeil shares more about the farm's history. Give me a general history of the farm. Tell me about the farm. Okay, well, this all started back in the late 1800s. The grandpa and grandmother, uh, Sidney uh, McNeil and his wife, Clara, were for some period of time back in the Nealsville area in the logging industry. And that started to go downhill as it was being logged, you know, quite extensively in that part of the state. And they moved then further north and all the way up to just about the south shore of Lake Superior and ended up about two miles from the lake, right on the very famous Brule River in Douglas County. So that's where they landed. Then in about 1890, they acquired a uh, homestead property at that location. And in 1893, they paid that off, the, the Homestead Act. And that's where the property has remained ever since. And what is the name of the farm? McNeil's property. And the road that uh, goes into the property is called McNeil's Landing. And that's how it's designated by the uh, Conservation Department, too. It's a very popular fishing uh, river. How many generations have been on the farm? I'm the third one, myself and two sisters. How has the size or type of farm changed over the years? From the early 1900s through the end of World War II, it was basically Clara, the mother, and the four children that occupied the place and essentially just lived off of the land. Because up until that time, there was, of course, no electricity, no telephone, nothing. So everything they had, they had to take from either the river, you know, fish or deer and rabbits and pheasants and stuff from the woods. And then they had large gardens, a lot of gardening. And, of course, then canned all the food and just lived off of that. Yeah, the farm is 160 acres. What kind of crops and animals were raised? Cows, pigs, chickens, and horses. And was the rest of the land outside of what you had for the buildings and the animals, was that all forested land? Part of it was forested, and they, then there was 80-some uh, acres were cleared for crops. That's where they grew uh, the hay for the uh, farm animals and some uh, cash crops. Like uh, for some number of years, they grew flax. A few years, they grew some peas in the spring because there was a uh, cannery factory in Poplar, Wisconsin. And then uh, oats was another uh, cash crop or a crop that was used for feed for the animals. What makes the farm unique? Probably the location. It's miles and miles from anything else around there. And way back in the woods, area right now on the Brule River is a state forest. So it's all state forest property for almost uh, the whole river. And, of course, what happened in uh, 1905, Sidney, my grandfather, he left and went out to British Columbia because the logging industry was, you know, getting smaller all the time. And he went to work with a brother out there in some mine. Something happened. 
and he either died or was killed. We have we have no knowledge as to what really happened. And so then that left Clara with the four children all alone on the uh, on the property. She had to get a divorce decree from uh, the state or the county so that she could uh, acquire that property. She was a very uh, petite person, but a hard worker, was very successful surviving in that location on that property for all those years. They, uh, there were two girls and two boys. The two girls, as they uh, reached uh, uh, in their early, late teens, early 20s, both of them ended up going out to California and uh, making a life out there. My dad and his brother stayed on the property and farmed it along with their mother for all of those years. And then it was in 1940 that my dad got married, and I was born then in 1941. And then, of course, the war came along. And at the end of the war, 1944-45, electricity came on the property. And that was a massive change. Because anything that wasn't run by electricity was gone. <laughs> and uh, at that point, my dad really went into a uh, serious milk cows for their income and became very successful at it. And that lasted until 1960, when he was at that point then quite elderly, and uh, sold all of the, uh, the cows and the machinery and everything and retired and what were some of the big events that happened over the years on the farm? Were, was there anything like severe storms that affected the property, weddings, anything else? Well, not that I'm aware of. The only thing that might be a little unique up there is during the 20s and 30s, on the upper Brule River, there's an area called Cedar Island. And that was the summer White House for about, I think, four different presidents during that period of time. And apparently one of the president's wives came down and visited the property. So that was sort of an event for that area up there that was anything of any significance. Do you remember any big technology changes that occurred while you were growing up on the farm from being a, being a young man to now, or even before you were born, any big technology changes? The big one was electricity in 1945 or 46. I think it was 46. Then we didn't get telephone until 1955. And that was all when you would have been very young, right? That's correct. Yeah, I would have been five. I was five years old when electricity came in. And can you remember what that was like to go from not having electricity to then having electricity on the farm? It was like somebody threw a major switch because prior to electricity, there was no well, there was, no, there was nothing, absolutely not. Everything was done by hand. The food was fish out of the river, uh, venison from the woods, uh, that type of thing, and what they grew and were able to uh, have off the, off the farm. Pigs, they had pigs for a while, a lot of chickens. So there was eggs and chickens uh, for food. In the winter time, there was an ice refrigerator, uh, and in the winter they would harvest ice out of the river. And we had an ice house where the ice was stored, and was kept with uh, was covered with uh, sawdust, and that lasted throughout the summer. So they had ice for a, a small ice box, but otherwise everything was canned. And uh, we had a root cellar. They they built a root cellar, 
and that's where they stored all of the uh, potatoes and vegetables and kept the canned goods in there. And that was their food storage, food supply. So no, there was there was really very little change. It was a lot of hard work. I know my uncle. George, he left the property in the early 1940s and went out to Washington, D.C. And we always asked him why he didn't ever want to come back. And he said, when I was there, he said all it was was work. So until electricity came, it was a very limited, just a lot of continual, hard, manual labor. And that was, you know, true for all the people in that area. What are some of the fondest memories that you have from your upbringing on the farm? I was very fortunate. I had great parents. They were very good to us children, made sure we had a good, as good of education as we could. It was a, there was a lot of work. There was always work for all of us. Really no hardship. Well, my duties were to help on the, with all of the farm work and in the gardens. And uh, it was, again, it was still a lot of work. Nothing wrong with it. it just, that was it. What is the farm today, and what does the future look like for the farm? There's no farming on it anymore. Most of the land is in a conservation project. It's in the middle of the, of the Blue River State Forest, so we have uh, arrangements with the State Conservation Department and the forest uh, industry, and uh, that you know kind of takes care of it, keeps uh, the land working. We do now with the house on the property, because uh, in 1940, 45, 46, my mom and dad built a new house, and it was a uh, done very nicely. And today we uh, rent that out through that VRBO organization, and that's worked uh, quite well. It keeps people on the property, keeps everything working. A lot of fishermen and hunters come there because of the river and the uh, hunting area. And then we use it maybe two or three times a year. What does it mean to have this recognition? Well, it's just a, I think it's just very neat thing that it's done. Is there anything else that you would like to share with me, John, about the farm or any of the memories that you might have had from your years being involved? It was a good life. There's no question about that. I think I became, you know, when I was a young kid growing up on there, I didn't pay any attention to a lot of it or think that much about it. But looking back now, I can see where it was a very good experience. I've come to appreciate it more and more all the time, as has the rest of the family. John McNeil shares the story of his family's Century Farm. The Century and Sesquicentennial Farm Program originated as part of Wisconsin's Centennial Celebration in 1948. Each year, about 100 properties are honored. You can listen to some of these stories at MidwestFarmReport.com. These stories are brought to you courtesy of Compure Financial. From the Midwest Farm Report... I'm Nate Zimdars.